Hey everyone, I'm Edie Allard, one of the scriptwriters and producers behind Encyclopedia Womanica. Today's episode is a bonus we created to highlight one of the incredible women on the front lines of the coronavirus pandemic. We were honored to produce this episode for Potapalooza, a weekend podcast festival that donated all of its profits to COVID relief. Without further ado, here's host Jenny Kaplan to introduce this special bonus episode. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, and this is a special edition of Encyclopedia Womanica that we're airing for Potapalooza. If this is your first time tuning into the show, here's the deal. Every weekday, we're sharing the stories of incredible women from history that you may not know about but definitely should. Each month is themed, and this month we've been highlighting explorers and contenders women who veered outside of prescribed gender norms to accomplish feats in fields strongly associated with men. These women literally discovered new paths and or participated in incredible athletic endeavors. But today, we're doing something a bit different. For Potapalooza, we wanted to honor the healthcare workers risking their lives for us in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. So we spoke to a modern day doctor who's treating patients on the front lines. My co-founder, Shira, and I are also lucky to call her our friend. My name is Rachel Sarnoff. I am a first-year resident at UCLA in internal medicine, and I'm very happy to be here today. Though Rachel originally wanted to be an artist or singer, she fell in love with science in high school and later decided to shift course and pursue a career in medicine. I realized that um, my interpersonal relationships were really, really key to myself and what made me happy. And so thinking about careers that could meet all these interests in one, the creativity, the interpersonal relationships, and the, um, the nerding out on science, I thought that medicine would be the best marriage of those three things. I'm a first year resident, which is also known as intern, which you might have heard from shows like Scrubs, Grey's Anatomy. They're technically the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to, you know, physicians in the hospital, but they are actually really key to moving care forward. They are the the ones who are every single day, multiple times a day, directly interacting with patients and their families. And so interns are really busy, but it is one of the most important and memorable times of, of the long career of being a physician. Everyone who enters the hospital gets asked screening questions so that, um, you know, we make sure that we're not uh, having people who have any kind of symptoms enter the hospital and potentially put others at risk. And then I get up to the floor and in the intensive care unit, I have, you know, a list of patients who are under my personal care in the team. And I'm responsible for everything that that happens with those patients. And usually the morning starts very early, you know, 6.45, I get there. I receive a report of what happened to those patients overnight from the nighttime covering doctor. And then I basically go into their charts. I stock their vitals. I look at what their lab values are for the morning. And then I go and see each and every one of those patients. I interview them. I do a physical exam. I usually wake them up and it's, I'm the first person that they see after their slumber. And then I come back and we have a team meeting with the attending. You know, I present basically a full presentation of that patient, critical updates, um, what I think we should do to move the care forward. 
um, and then we discuss it as a team and the attending weighs in and a, a plan is is formalized with the nurse in tow. After all of that is done, my afternoons are busy documenting, putting in orders, um, responding to, you know, crises, putting out fires, responding to pages, which happen, you know, several times an hour. And then my day ends, you know, around three, four, five, sometimes later. And I come home, I have a very intense decontamination process when I get out of my car and into my apartment because I like to keep my apartment COVID free and feel very precious about it. I usually, I wipe my hands off when I come out of my car with like a disinfectant baby wipe. And then um, I open my door with my keys. I actually strip down out of my scrubs um, and you know, my backpack I put on the floor in like a sort of a, a place that is in a corner and I don't really touch with my bare hands. And I go right into the shower, take a quick shower, and then I feel that I am now clean. <laughs> my scrubs are in the laundry. And then, you know, I put on a fresh pair of pajamas and go forward with my night. Rachel lives alone, so there's no chance of her infecting a housemate. But many healthcare workers have roommates or partners. For them, figuring out how to safely interact with those close to them can be a risk and a challenge. There are also new challenges to face inside the hospital. I think a huge change that all of us in healthcare are feeling is the lack of protocol that is agreed upon among everyone. A lot of times we're doing the best that we can with the information we have and um, hospital administrators are, are form- formalizing policies that change um, you know, on a day-to-day and sometimes hour-to-hour basis. So to get specific about that, like, where should a patient, a particular patient who, you know, is someone who we think maybe has COVID, but the test has not quite come back yet, where can they safely go? What kind of precautions should we have for them? I think that there's a lot of press out there about the difficulties of being a healthcare worker in this crisis. And I echo all of those difficulties and really relate to a lot of them. I think maybe what could be useful to hear are some more uplifting examples. And so I can share a couple of those. We actually have a COVID-specific team at UCLA at Ronald Reagan, and we have like this tradition that is emerging of the team doing a dance each time a patient leaves the ICU or gets um, extubated, which is when the mechanical ventilation no longer is needed for the patient, or if the patient gets discharged from the hospital, you know, a formerly COVID positive patient gets discharged, there's like a little dance that they do as a team. And I think that's really wonderful and really boosts morale among healthcare workers. I actually have a personal experience of being able to take the tube out for a patient who was doing so well that she didn't need it anymore. And that was one of the most amazing points of the year for me was being able to FaceTime her family and have them see her when the tube was out and she was able to actually interact with them. The entire unit was so emotional. All the nurses who've been working with this patient for weeks and, you know, the family finally being able to see their loved one doing so much better. I I was just, I was really emotional too. I tried not to show them, but um, it was just so beautiful. So there are these uplifting moments in these trying times that are very possible and I think need to be publicized more as well. Rachel had a few big reminders for listeners trying to navigate the world of COVID. One thing that I've seen is um, patients who are really listening to the stay home 
advice and, you know, really only present for medical care if you really need it. But I actually have seen some patients present late with stroke symptoms because they were trying to avoid coming to the hospitals or patients who are having chest pain and then they kind of ignore it or downplay it for a couple of days and then we miss a major heart attack that we could have done an intervention for earlier. I really think it's important to call a healthcare professional to get advice and describe one's symptoms when you feel it, you know, relatively quickly and not ignore symptoms because even though we are in the era of COVID, medicine and medical issues go on and we can't ignore them. We are in desperate need of blood in the healthcare world. I think that a lot of people who maybe were regular donators of blood have opted to stay home, which I completely understand um, in the COVID era to avoid exposure. But if you are able and if you have a mask, you know, and you take some hand sanitizer with you, it is relatively safe to go to blood donation centers. And we are in desperate need. At UCLA, we have the UCLA Blood and Platelet Center. In New York, we have the New York Blood Center. Everywhere has their local um, blood donation space and Red Cross has one as well. So I urge people to donate blood if you can. Um, and it also is a really feel good thing to do. I do feel that this crisis has a beginning, a middle, and an end, but I also think that it's a really important lesson that I hope we all can carry forward into the post-COVID era. You know, I can't say for sure whether this type of virus won't happen again in the future, and my hope is that we will be, one, more well-prepared if one were to in uh, another epidemic were to happen, you know, heaven forbid for another in another viral situation. But also, you know, thinking about the things that actually propagated this virus in the first place. And, you know, we can really trace that back to issues that are really ecological um, and climate change and um, cohabitation of species that usually did not live together before and how viruses replicate in that setting. And that's how COVID and other um, super viruses are being born. So this really starts a larger discussion that I hope we can continue as a society from the lessons of the COVID era. Rachel also wanted to note that the opinions stated in this episode are her own and don't reflect the views of UCLA or anywhere else she's ever trained. Thank you for listening to this special episode of Encyclopedia Womanica. Subscribe to the show to hear more stories about world-changing women, as told by me, wherever you get your podcasts. And special thanks to Rachel. We so appreciate you taking the time to do this. For more on why we're doing what we're doing, check out our weekly newsletter, Womanica Weekly. You can also follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Encyclopedia Womanica. And you can follow me directly on Twitter at Jenny M. Kaplan. Talk to you soon.